Welcome to the Resiliency Ninja Podcast. This is Allison Graham, and today's episode is all about how to live with chronic pain and, more specifically, how to succeed even if you have chronic pain. My pain story was the impetus, the reason why Resiliency Ninja even began. It is was the original uh, motivation for my book, Married My Mom, Birth the Dog, How to Be Resilient When Life Sucks. The suckage for me was chronic nerve pain. It was the big underlying issue through my decade of hell that was then complicated by deaths of people who I loved, um, who were close to me, and eight major injuries that added a whole new level of pain beyond the nerve pain. And I came out of it on the other side, uh, ultimately without any medication. I, I, di- I was on some pretty hefty things for a lot of years and, and chose to free my body of those medications and just deal with my pain from an emotional and mental and self-awareness and physical perspective. And using my resourcefulness, which is, by the way, for those of you who are following the Resiliency Ninja work, that was a little slide in of the Resiliency Ninja formula that is throughout the book and that I teach in companies. So the pain was the original reason I talked about resilience or and why I became obsessed with resilience and figuring it out. And then it expanded into all these other categories of, you know, how do you deal with difficult coworkers? How do you deal with letdowns in life? How do you deal with, um, you know, chronic worry or uh, self-doubt or the internal messenger of bullshit that won't stop? All of that is part of the Resiliency Ninja uh, sort of content. I don't know what we're going to call that playground. And it all started because I had a surgery on March 5th, 2007, and I woke up from that surgery with what felt like a serrated edged knife, just screeching in it, like stabbing and twisting into my body. And that, those early stages were so severe and I had no idea that it was going to last for my life. And you know, I remember the doctor saying to me, you, you know, it's going to go away, give it six months, you'll be fine. This is typical after a surgery and trying to minimize it and being like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. And one of the biggest challenges is that I was told at one point in this journey that I needed to consider going on disability uh, government insurance. And, you know, I wasn't going to be able to be a successful business person. And I needed to reevaluate my expectations for life. And I'm here to tell you that chronic pain is not a death sentence. It is not a sentence that you need to feel like you are never going to achieve your dreams, that you're never going to achieve your potential, that you can find a way that is going to work for you to get through your chronic pain. And I know I don't talk about my pain a lot. I know that it's easy to look at me and see, you know, the big smiley face and, you know, I'm up on stage and hanging out. And what people don't see is what's happening behind the scenes often, obviously, because they're behind the scenes. (laughs) That's the point. And they don't see the mental game, the emotional game, the self-awareness, the resourcefulness, that is going on every day for me to be able to function with chronic neuropathic 
pain. Now, I uh, had a different topic planned for this particular episode, and I chose to do this because I am having a very high, intense pain day. And uh, that means that I've had to practice all of all of my resiliency ninja strategies. And instead of going home right now, I chose that I was going to record this while I was in the middle of pain. So you could see a little bit about how your pain doesn't have to define you. Now, if you're watching this on video, then you might see like my eyes are a little glassy. I, uh, my, I'm a little bit more lethargic than, than normal. And that's kind of what ends up happening if I'm still working when I'm in a high pain, uh, pain moment. And if you're hearing me, you might think I maybe sound a little more melancholy than normal and a little more even toned and, and maybe I'm not quite as, uh, you know, animated, I guess I would say, as I typically am on the Resilience Ninja podcast. But maybe you don't even notice the difference. Maybe you're like, you know what? That's Allie, because the pain thing's there all the time. It's just in varying degrees. And if you are sitting there and you are in pain and you are watching or listening to this, I've got to tell you that I know if you're like frustrated because you're like, you don't get it. Because I understand how I used to be so <laughs> frustrated with other pain people who'd be like, I have pain. And I'd be like, no, 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 you don't understand my pain. And I got to tell you, I am 12 years into my pain journey. My pain is exactly the same, that the, the type of pain, how the pain acts, all of that is exactly the same for 12 years. And when you get to a certain point in your pain journey, you just get used to it in a sort of a way. Okay. I'm going to help you. I hope find a way to make friends with your pain. That was a huge piece for me in the journey. So here we go. The first thing, and I think that what I was just saying feeds into this is I think we underestimate how vitally important it is to have our pain validated. Now, because my pain happened in a surgery, and the first two years of doctors who I saw after my surgery were friends with the guy who did the original surgery that damaged the nerves, they were always very, so, so they either trained with him or trained him. So I even saw like head honchos who were his professors. And so they were really reluctant to acknowledge my actual pain. And it wasn't until I got to see a, a pain specialist and got out of that little incestuous group and got into the, a new hospital and, and working with a new crop of doctors that I started to have real conversations about my pain. And I think that one of the things that is so vitally important is you recognizing how, how important it is for you to acknowledge and validate your pain and get to a point where you don't need external validation. So what do I mean further by that to explain it? Because it can be really kind of, it's a funny concept. So uh, here's the thing. I have a client who is a vice president of a company, very high achiever, and he has neuropathic pain in his jaw. Okay. So every time he talks, every time he chews, he's got this electric fire that's happening in his face. So you can imagine that would be really, really frustrating. 
And he was talking to me on the phone one night and he was so frustrated. And he's like, they just don't get it. They don't understand the severity of my pain. And I wish they could just understand so they would stop bugging me or stop pushing me or uh, you know, leave me alone for a while so I can deal with it. And I know we've all gone through those situations where we just want people to understand our family, our friends, our coworkers, why we're in that you know, state of feeling like not in a good mood because this pain is on fire. And I said to him, I said, but they're never going to understand. And the truth is you don't want them to understand because the only way they're ever going to understand it is to wish upon your loved ones the experience that you're having. And he's like, oh, you're right. So here, here's a little thing I want you to think of. We all have a pain scale. They call it a one to 10, okay? So when you go into um, any sort of a doctor's environment and they, they, you know, you've presented with some sort of a pain, like maybe you've broken your arm or torn your ligament or whatever, you are asked what's your pain like on a scale of one to 10. And some of you who are in severe pain will say cute things like 11 or a 12. Scale doesn't go that high. Just saying. Anyway, I digress. That's, that's pain patient joke for you. Some of you know what I mean. All right. So your 10 is your 10. So before I had the surgery, before my decade of hell with the eight injuries, I had many other injuries, okay? So like I dislocated my SI joint, I um, had fallen on my tailbone, I had broken a couple things. I, I had a life of very klutzy moments and a lot of really bad luck and thank God that has stopped, knock on wood, leather, vinyl, sand, whatever's around me right now. And... Uh, I, so I thought I knew what pain was because I'd broken things, right? Like break, you think that's high pain, but the pain of neuropathic pain is very, very different and it's its own scale. Okay. So the different levels of scales and actually maybe the easiest way I could uh, describe this is I'm going to uh, talk about a migraine. So if you are an actual migraine sufferer, and you know somebody who's had headaches because say they're hungover or, you know, they bumped their noggin or they have a, uh, you know, just a regular stress headache and you've got a migraine, which is if I move, I'm going to throw up. If you turn on the lights, I'm going to throw up. I'm dizzy. I can't see straight. I, my whole body is ceasing to function because I have a migraine, okay? Two very different things, but somebody who has a hangover might say on a pain scale, are you a one to a 10? You know, they might say I'm a 10, but their version of 10 is all they know. This is why comparison, one of my early chapters in the book, Married by Mom, Birth the Dog, How to Be Resilient When Life Sucks, is all about not playing top it, not trying to compare your pain or your life circumstance to somebody else. We're all going through a journey. We all have our own internal uh, interpretation of what a 10 is. And so like I've had now, because I've had so many accidents and so many injuries and things like I've had the surgeries, but I've also, you know, torn a ligament 
and uh, a partial tear, very, very, very painful every time I move the leg. And, you know, there are different types of scales. And so when we try to compare, here's how we do it. I'm taking too long to explain this concept, but it's important if you get it. We're trying to put your migraine perspective on the same scale as somebody else's hangover perspective. It doesn't work. Your 10 is their 10 or is not their 10 or your five is not their five or their one, your one. So like my two is probably somebody else's 10 right? Because they don't deal with pain. They don't have the experience of what pain is. They don't know how to diminish pain. They don't know. And, you know, it might be their 14. You never know. So I I think that that comparison is a problem, but also your validation cannot come from an external source because nobody else can feel your pain. Only you get to do it. It is such a personal journey and looking for external validation will pause your journey, your healing journey. It will drive you crazy because nobody in your family is going to understand, or even if they understand or they think they understand, you're not going to believe that they truly understand your level of pain. And that's why validation has to come from within. We can't search ex external sources for our internal validation. And the reason I think validation is so important is because if it's so severe for you and somebody or something doesn't validate how severe it is, your brain has tough time getting around accepting and being with the pain. It's like, am I feeling this? Am I crazy? What's going, it's just this whole cycle of uh, psychological issues that come. So validation is very, very important, but you're the only one who can get it. And comparing yourself to other people is not going to work because they are never going to feel your pain. And their pain scale could be totally misaligned with your interpretation of your pain scale. All right. So those are four early points that I wanted to make with you, but I'd actually only written down one for those four. So apparently this is going to be a very long video and podcast, but that's okay. The next thing that was hugely valuable for me in my pain journey was making friends with my pain. What do I mean by that? Well, In the book, I sort of do this ridiculous uh, sort of uh, exercise in this this metaphor-ish kind of thing. So I always kind of think of my pain as this grumpy Smurf. And you remember the Smurfs? And then they came out with a movie. So people who are even younger might remember the Smurfs. But it's like grumpy Smurf is like everything's always wrong, whatever, you know. And so I think like in the surgery, little grumpy Smurf sort of... (laughs) on to me. Okay. And he's like hanging on. And, uh, I spent a lot of years telling him to, you know, F off being angry with him, um, pissed off that he was there. And so 
I think when our little Smurfs get negative, angry, beat up energy, because they're not going to let go, right? But if you're pushing to make them let go and trying to constantly uh, push them away, then the grumpy Smurfs call reinforcements. So we go from having one grumpy Smurf who's just trying to hold on for dear life because he's never going to be able to let go anyway, and you're not accepting it. Then all of these other grumpy Smurfs now come and are hanging on. And it's, it's amplifying the severity of your pain. But when we say hi to little grumpy Smurf and we say, you know, you're here and I don't really like it, but I'm going to make friends with you and we're going to be okay. And we're going to get through this together. Then he goes, ah, oh, okay. Reinforcements. I don't need you anymore. And they go away. So then we're just dealing with the one pain, aka grumpy smurf, as opposed to all the other magnification of the pain. And I know that that's probably not the best way to illustrate it, but it's the only way I, it's just how I think about it. It's how I like sort of deal with my grumpy smurf. Maybe you have another way. And you'll let me know in the comments or send me a private note. How do you deal with it? Because I think when we can visualize it as an entity, then we can put a hand out and shake it, a virtual hand, obviously, uh, and shake hands with it, make peace. And then we can, when, when you make peace with the pain, then all the periphery that goes with the pain ceases to exist. And for me, that was pivotal in my pain journey because what were some of the other grumpy Smurfs that were coming along? Things like, you robbed me of my 30s. You, um, I mean, just, you killed my dreams. You, yeah, like it was just, it was so, there was so much anger. There was, look at me, I'm even tearing up now, just remembering and thinking and, you know, sure you always feel that it, to some degree, you know, I've forgiven the surgeon um, who did it. I, I like, you know, he didn't wake up that day and go, gee, I wonder who I can go and butcher today. Uh, so his intent was not to do what he did, right? His intent was to do no harm. And unfortunately he did harm. And so getting to a point where you can make friends with it and not add all the other anger and the blame and the catastrophization of the issues. You know, sure, some days it's really hard for me to sit. And when I drive, I like to take, you know, I had to come up with some other resources so that I, I don't get, um, I don't get bogged down in the pain. Point is, you got to make friends with your pain. Stop fighting it. Because when we go in flow, we can better manage our pain. When we're fighting against it, it just adds so much more to you having to deal with your pain. And you know what? Of course you can't deal with that. There's too much. So let's get rid of the too much and let's deal with the thing that it is. So making friends with it is really important. The next thing I think is really important is to watch your languaging around it. So even I caught myself a second ago, I said he didn't mean to butcher me, which was part of that part of the story. But I used to say I'd been butchered, right? Um, and I had to change that languaging because it just made it 
like nobody wants to be butchered, right? Like it just like, oh my God, I've been butchered. Um, so it adds to it. So things like my pain is debilitating. It's extreme. I can't function. All of those words make it harder to succeed with your pain. And so keep a pain journal keep a, um, make notes. What are the words you're using? One of the things that came up a lot for me was when I would have to zone out. So one of my, you know, my things is I numb out when the pain is too high and I would watch movies and TV shows and, you know, numb out. And then I'd be there and I'd be like, insulting myself. Like, oh my God, you're always so fucking lazy. You're, uh, you know, what's wrong with you? You don't deserve to be a part of this world. You All of these horrible things. And the truth is I was just in pain and healing. And so I think our languaging around how we, how we present our pain, not just to ourselves, but to others is really important because it means that we're in control. So when we use defeatist words, we're out of control. And here's the thing, your pain may never go away. You may be dealing with it for the rest of your life. But I want to empower you to know that you can deal with it. And you can have it so it doesn't derail you. You can make friends with it so it just becomes a companion instead of an adversary. And I know that takes a lot of work and a lot of self-awareness, but you can get there. And the self-awareness piece is like the reason it's the first step in the Resiliency Ninja formula, the path to mastery, is because you need to understand what triggers you. And also you need to know what words am I using that are causing me to have more pain? Because our brain doesn't know the difference. One of my favorite people to listen to is Marissa Peer. And uh, she's brilliant and she does the work, I'm not enough. So just Google that on YouTube. I'm not enough. And she talks about how powerful our words are. And I believe her. I, uh, I know when, when I'm like, oh my God, my pain is uncontrollable. Well, then of course everything's uncontrollable or my pain is extreme or, you know, I, you know, there were a lot of funny things I'd use too, because I'd be on medications and they'd make me loopy. And <laughs> anyway. I digress. So don't catastrophize it. Figure out your pain. Also using words that empower you. One of the most frustrating words for me in the entire pain journey, and my very first pain psychologist uh, used to use this all the time, and then I, uh, I left her office very abruptly and, and very aggressively and never went back because she would say, oh, yeah, Allison, you've got to learn how to pace yourself. Pace. Is there any more defeatist word in the English language? If you are a doctor and you are listening to this and you have patients who have pain, don't use the word, especially if they're an A-type personality. And here's why. When I hear the word pace, immediately what goes into my mind is the pace car at a racetrack, right? They set the speed, the constant speed, so everybody can check their little gauges and know where they are on the, um, you know, whatever. I don't know how it exactly works. But anyway, the pace car, the point is pace car is never going to win the race. The pace car is going to get everybody else going so that they can win the race. And as an A-type personality, 
I had a race that I wanted to win. And so every time a doctor told me to pace myself, they'd push me back to the very beginning where I'd be like angry about the pain, not working on acceptance, looking for the magic snake oil that's not going to come to fix the pain, like all of that. And so being very mindful of the words you're using will help you on your pain journey. I promise. When it came to still running a business and creating a successful business, I, the, the way I did it was because I looked at every day and I said, what three things have to happen today in order for my business to move forward? Now, at the time, I was a columnist. So I was very blessed because I already had a public outlet. And it was just when social media was starting to come into <laughs> the, the realm and so I really leveraged that and I leveraged my media connections to write and have a presence because I could do that from my bed. And I know not everybody has that ability to work from their bed or from a really comfortable perspective, but I, everybody has the ability to look at their to-do list and prioritize what are the things that absolutely have to happen. And for me, I always aimed every day for three things. And if... I did anything more, that was a bonus. And what I noticed is that I actually achieved more in a shorter amount of time when I had very limited functionality than when I do now when I'm pushing myself to have full days and um, you know, really stretching my hours because the, the work we have to do will expand to the amount of time we give it. And it's one of the laws of somebody scientific created and proved but it's true. And I remember when I was a columnist, if I started my uh, column, I used to have one that was due four days a week. And it was due at three o'clock in the afternoon or when it was due. And it didn't matter if I started it at nine o'clock in the morning, I would submit it at three o'clock. And if, it, if I started at 2.15 in the afternoon, I would still submit it at three o'clock. So, you know, it Deadlines are beautiful, but we don't have to give ourselves so much time because our, our work and the project will just expand to cover that time lot that you've given it. So I really believe that prioritizing, getting a really great grip on your to-do list that will never end, let's face it, and understanding what, you can, what your capacity is to get done. So for me, one of the things I recognize, which is very ironic because I used to teach networking and like my first book was from business cards to business relationships, personal branding and profitable networking made easy uh, that was published by Wiley. That book, I was out networking, but what I realized after my surgery is that networking actually drains my energy and is harder for me than writing or doing something that I can amplify and so I got really good at show, figuring out what was I going to go to, what was I not going to go to, and making those decisions, not pacing yourself, it's not defeatist, controlling your schedule, making decisions for you to do what's the most profitable and what makes the most sense and productive for you. So that prioritization is really, really, really key. The other thing I want to say about succeeding when you have chronic pain is to figure out how you can separate your mood from your pain, okay? 
separate your mood from your pain. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you're a pain patient, you know this. If you live with a pain patient, you already know it. So when your pain gets really high, the instinct is to get really snippy, short, angry, frustrated, all of those negative emotions. And I really believe you can separate the two. So how do I do that? Well, first thing I do is self-awareness, check in that I'm getting kind of grouchy. Okay. It's like when we're hungry and we turn hangry, when we get painy and hangry, pangry, I'm going to call it pangry, pain-induced anger. It's not good for you and it's not good for the people around you. Okay. Pangry. You're with me on this. We've just coined a new phrase. You need to be able to control your panger. And it's probably something, I don't want to say probably, I don't, I don't know if that's the right thing. It's something that's going to take a lot of self-awareness in order to achieve because it's a natural instinctive reaction. And here's one of the reasons. So remember my, uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely look at the other videos on stress, obstacles, adversities. So when you have high pain and you are stressed out and, you know, there's like 10% of stress is really healthy, good stress. So your, um, your deadlines, a uh, big goal, running a race, whatever the case may be. But then all the other stress are things like excessive worry, self-doubt, uh, anxiety, like trying ruminating with things that you have no control over, trying to deal with the stuff you have no control over, all of that. And your pain can actually add to that stress bucket if you allow for it to dictate your emotional state. And so the whole goal of the Resiliency Ninja Formula is take that stress bucket, lower it, put our effort into our obstacles, removing the emotion, and then we have the ability to deal with our adversity, right? So I think that the the self-awareness it takes to recognize how your pain is limiting your capacity from a mental perspective is something not to be underestimated. So you need the self-awareness to do it, but you also have to recognize that it has a huge impact. It, what it does is if you have a, co so on that scale, if you have a coping capacity, we all have a finite amount of coping capacity that in the big resiliency moments in our life, somebody dies, you know, whatever the case may be, or a big accident, a global disaster, we have it elastic bands, right? So it, it increases for a short period of time, but eventually it comes back down to our typical day-to-day -day coping capacity. And if you're in a high level of constant pain, and perhaps this is why I got so good at my resiliency muscle, because the pain was already filling up your bucket halfway. So you're at a disadvantage to other people who only have to deal with life stresses, right? All those things I was talking about, the regular worry, the, the um, coworkers who are driving them crazy, the boss who's micromanaging, all of that is in the stress bucket. And if you know, your natural capacity is here and your um, pain is already filling half of it, you have to get so freaking good at managing this top half or your pain will dictate your life. I think that's why it's so important to understand your resiliency ninja formula and understand that your pain does not need to become your identity because if it does, your coping capacity is diminished, I'm going to say by at least 50%. That's not good. So 
separate your mood from your pain. And that begins with self-awareness. I think this, this episode is probably longer than most of my Facha Fridays, and I am going to stop it there, but I hope you get something out of this. Let me know if you want me to go into this topic deeper. I think one of the sessions I should do is really about, from a patient's perspective, how can you, how can you best support somebody in your family who is dealing with chronic pain? Because I know for me, my mom uh, really got the brunt of it. And there's probably somebody in your life who got the brunt of it. And a few of my friends over the years, ironically, uh, our friendships broke up many reasons, but one of them is probably because my pain put such a, a, a weight on our interactions in the early days that it became really hard for other people to interact with me at a really intimate level. And I mean, that's one of the prices that I paid early in my days and I've worked through that. And now I don't share about my pain as much with my friends. So I just sort of mention it if I'm having a high pain day and then um, move on. But remember, cause I don't need their validation anymore. So that, that really helps. But I, I hope this has been helpful for you. And I hope more than anything, that if you are suffering from chronic pain, that you know you are not alone. There are 50 million other people out there who are also experiencing chronic pain and 20 million of them are at a, a point where it does interfere with their life. You know, if you're a pain patient, you have canceled things on friends because you are in too much pain to go. And I used to do that a lot and then I just stopped saying I'd go, right? And then showing up was a bonus. So, but it also meant that I stopped getting invited to things. So, you know, we can talk about that in another episode where pain can actually start to isolate you. And when you're isolated, then you're lonely. And when you're lonely, then you get more depressed. And then when you're more depressed, it's harder to deal with your physical pain. Like it's this, this cycle that if you don't interrupt it, and using the, inner, the Resiliency Ninja formula or whatever thing you can find out there that's going to help you, but I, I couldn't find anything. So I created the Resiliency Ninja formula. If you can interrupt that cycle so you don't keep going through and through and through and through it. So that is my hope for you, that you get control of your life. You live your life no matter the pain. I'm going to validate it for you, even though I'm going to tell you that you can't have anybody external valid, validate it. I just want to give you a great big hug and say, your pain sucks. I, I know it sucks, but it doesn't need to define you. And so I wish you well on your pain journey. And I hope you come out the other side, like me, where you have, you know, some days that get derailed by pain, but for the most part, you can pull it down and you're in the zone and you just go with the flow and you don't fight it and you say, hey there, Mr. Grumpy Smurf, how are you? You're a little active today. Why don't you take the nails out, right? See how you can have fun with it? And at the very end, find yourself a sense of humor because I tell you, laughing releases endorphins and it makes you feel good and, uh, you know, your pain isn't going to go away. So you may as well enjoy life. And actually, you know what? I know I'm trying to wrap up, but that's, I knew I had something else to say. When you get to a point where you accept your pain, you can manage your pain, you can minimize your pain. There are things you can do in your life that may aggravate the pain. 
and it's still worth doing them because when you do them, you can, you have the tools to minimize the pain and still continue to go. So for example, uh, some exercise is not comfortable for me and it aggravates. So I think one of the reasons I'm in more pain today is because last night I went to a new workout class and it was a lot of uh, weights and barbells and all that. And I still, I was thoughtful. I was self-aware. I used light weights. But I think what's happened is it's, it's pulled everything like, and so that my pain, like my nerve pain was like, ah, you know, my grumpy smurfs going, what's going on? All this extra stuff going on. So, but here's the thing. The pain doesn't go away anyway. And so, you know, there were times when I went skiing and I was in pain. There were times when I went out for dinner and I was in pain. There were times when I continue to sit in my office, even though I'm in pain, that all of that, you do it because at the end of the day, you want to have a quality of life beyond your pain. And when you get comfortable with your pain and you're not trying to fight it and you're not trying to wish it away, what happens is it's just there. And whether you do something to aggravate it, I don't, I don't recommend aggravating it every day, right? But if you never allow yourself the opportunity to do something that's going to aggravate your pain, you're going to have a boring fucking life. <laughs> I'm telling you, because I've been there. I've been on the 12 hour you know, PVR, criminal mind, CSI, you know, tell you the timeline, CSI was on every hour of every day when I had my surgery. I've been there. And that temptation to go into a very comfy, do nothing, live nothing, numb out world is right there for the taking when you're a pain patient. And telling you I've done both and it's better to go have a life and achieve something than to look back on your life because and go oh I spent it on the couch I spent it not interacting with every anyone because it was too afraid of the pain because if the pain's going to be there when you're on the couch then why the fuck would you spend your time just sitting on the couch now I'm going to go home and I'm going to go lie on the couch for the record <laughs> right now, but I've had a really, really full day leading up to now. It's mid-afternoon and you know what? Elevate Biz slash Resiliency Ninja is closing down for the day guilt-free. But I hope I'm going to see somebody tonight. I'm going to go do something tonight because if the pain is always going to be there, you there's no sense being alone and lonely and boring and checking out of your life because you're just going to be in pain doing that, you could at least go do something fun and be in pain. That's what I'm thinking. All right, friends. This is the longest, probably most rambly podcast I've ever done, and I don't care. I'm not editing it. You know what? I'm going to leave it up there for you, and if it's not your cup of tea, by golly, no big deal. Uh, that's fine, but damn it, if you are a pain patient out there and you want to succeed and this has helped, touched you in any way, then it was worth it. So uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for being a Resiliency Ninja listener and being a part of this community. I uh, feel very blessed to get to do what I do. If uh, you know of a conference who needs a speaker, 
I am available to do that. I can do breakout sessions. I can do corporate workshops. I can do lunch and learns. You name it. I don't care how big the audience is. I am happy to come in and share this message, not just about chronic pain, anything to do with resiliency. Okay, folks, thanks for being here. Leave a message, leave a review, subscribe, be you. I'll talk to you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.